Hi folks, Eric from Hit Subscribe here, um, back after a week or two off for the holidays with another, at least the holidays as of the time of recording. If you're watching this on YouTube, it's probably an ungodly amount of time later. Uh, but anyway, um, after a couple weeks off for the holidays, I'm back with another edition of the Freelancer Q&A series. This is one that um, came up and it actually wasn't asked of me, so I'm doing a bit of a divergence from the normal thing like somebody didn't ask me this they actually asked um thorbin who was one of our guests recently i'll throw up a, um, a link in youtube for this uh the interview that i did with him so it was a question they asked him but i thought it was interesting so i noted it down as something to address and the question is how do you juggle multiple clients without getting overwhelmed by context switching and i think uh, i jotted this down because i think this is a pretty common question for freelancers especially freelance software engineers in particular to wonder about right when they go freelance. So I wanted to swoop in and give the answer that nobody was actually asking me for. So hopefully some of you find this useful. It is a good question and I think it's important to address. Um, so first of all, let's lay a little groundwork. What is context switching? Um, some of you might not be familiar with that term. The idea is um, it's, you know, you kind of get into a mental groove, if you will, when you're doing a certain kind of task, especially if it's uh, so-called deep work, like you're concentrating. So imagine that <clears throat> you're uh, doing your job one day, you're engrossed in something at your desk, filling out a complicated spreadsheet or uh, writing some software, writing code, and um, you're concentrating on that. And then you get an email or a phone call or whatever from your boss. Um, hey, can you go do this other thing? It's urgent. Um, now, what you have to do is kind of pull yourself mentally out of that position of being um, engrossed in this task and figure out and remember where you were in some other task that your boss is asking you to address, kind of ramp up your concentration to think about that, go address it, do it, and then maybe an hour later you're done with whatever you're being asked to do. You come back and sit down. Well, when you sit back down at your desk, you're not obviously in the same frame of mind you were when doing that task, writing that piece of content or writing that program. So you kind of have to mentally remember and ratchet back up to where you were. All of that is called context switching. It's actually a gross source of inefficiency in the workplace because um, much as you might say to yourself, like, oh, I should just be disciplined and be able to like, you know, speed back up like that. And that's not how the human brain works. So context switching is costly. It's mentally tiring. And it burns a lot of uh, hours in the workday, typically, when people are switching between a lot of different things. Uh, often, multitasking is sort of lionized as some kind of virtue. I can do four things at once. Nobody can do a lot of things at once well. It's just not how the human brain works. So if you are a avid multitasker, what you're probably doing is a bunch of things in very mediocre fashion where you'd be better off just doing them one after another. Um, I'll get off of my soapbox. But anyway, the, the person asking this question probably agrees because usually um, when people are concerned about context switching, they're aware of this mental inefficiency and trying to avoid it. So um, the question here about how do I avoid context switching um, uh, or how do I, you know, get better at, um, you know, not getting bogged down with it, it's... Um, something that a new freelancer would typically ask because of the model that you likely have of work, which is freelance work is basically kind of the pseudo employment where you take on a client and you maybe do 40 hours a week in, in this case of programming for that client or something like that. And then you might think of that, okay, if I get a second client, uh, I'm going to do 20 hours a week for each client. Actually, when I first went freelance years and years ago, I thought like the ideal situation would be 
I'd find four clients that would give me like 10 hours per week worth of programming work. Um, now in that world, imagine if I had successfully pulled that off, which is really unlikely for a variety of reasons. But if I had, now I'd basically, instead of having one full-time job, I'd have four part-time jobs. And as you can imagine, um, like just imagine yourself, if you're a salaried person, for instance, like going to four part-time jobs, you'd probably have a pretty hard time keeping track of what you are doing at each one of these jobs. So um, how in that world, if you are conceiving of um, freelance work as juggling a handful of clients where you're kind of doing undirected generalist work for them, how do you, um, how do you juggle this and not get overwhelmed? So um, most tactically, I can give you a few tasks, um, or sorry, a few uh, ideas uh, for tactics. One would be to alternate hours during the day. If you have two or three clients, maybe you do this client, or say you have two, you do this client in the morning, the second client in the afternoon, then you're being responsive to each one each day, but um, not thrashing back and forth between them. I would actually um, go beyond that personally and say that if you're juggling two or three clients, I would give at least a day to each one. And um, then you have to be kind of setting expectations um, in terms of like, you know, you might do a weekly or monthly rate with those clients and say like, I'm going to do a decent amount of work for you in a given week or in a given month, but I'm not going to guarantee you that on any given day I'm doing work for you. If um, you, because as a freelancer, you're going to be handling your own account management. What I might do in a situation like that is block out, um, let's say, an hour at the beginning or at the end of the day where you're doing email and correspondence. So you can say to your clients, like, look, in any given week, I'm going to do you know, 15 hours worth of work for you per week. It's going to vary when I do that, but every day, you know, between 4 and 5 p.m., I'm available to communicate if you need anything. So you probably, for somebody who you're doing that amount of work for, you want to be available, I would say, at least daily to answer some questions, but that doesn't mean you have to, like, really be heads down and doing deep work for them each day, just that you should be able to correspond with them each day. So I think you could get to a state of affairs where, um, you were basically able to carve out at least a day long block, or I mean, seven hours of the day when you're not doing your correspondence period uh, to work for a given client. And then that's a good amount of time to get up to speed, make sure that you're kind of in the zone doing work for them and giving them the attention they deserve without doing a lot of mental thrashing back and forth. Um, the kind of next level I would get to if I were you is um, that maybe you start to shrink the duration of engagements. So imagine if instead of signing a freelance contract where you're doing, you know, work until the client got tired of you or vice versa, you know, open-ended, you started to condense and say, okay, the typical kind of work I do, like I'm going to build a website for clients and usually it takes me a month to build a website. Well, now you can start to avoid um, that uh, context switching problem by lining up these projects in sequence. So you take on a um, bit of work this month, and then you actually try to book out a month or two ahead of time. So now you're doing sequential engagements instead of running them in parallel. And there, it's really easy to start avoiding um, that type of uh, context switching that you're doing, because you're just going to take on one gig, you're going to do it, and then you're going to move on to the next one. That can be difficult for newbie freelancers, but um, I would encourage working towards that, because if you start to have engagements, you know, say you start out with open-ended ones, then you try to condense it down to three months, then one month. 
it starts to force you to do more repeatable work. It starts to force you to kind of get good or get better and better at the type of work you're doing. And I don't mean, you know, like being a writer or being a programmer. I mean, you start to um, get better and better at doing a specific kind of work. So if it's writing, uh, what kind of writing work might you do in the span of a month? Well, maybe you're, um, you know, creating blog post series for them or something, or you're writing three white papers, and that's a typical engagement. So if your typical engagement is writing three white papers, you get good at planning those and how they work together and all that. The more of those you do, the better you get, the easier it is to sell. There's a lot of good things there, and I'll come back to that idea in a moment. But getting to that stage where you're doing shorter engagement type of work lets you actually kind of have a calendar and let, lets clients book. Because it's pretty reasonable to say, um, look, I'm booked for this month, but if you want to contract this type of work through me, you know, I'm available in February. Um, and then if they're not waiting indefinitely or too long, clients might say if they like you, yeah, sure, I'll wait three weeks until you're available. So uh, that's a great way to avoid context switching is to start to fill up your calendar in advance. By the way, that's great for business because it gives you um, predictable penciled in revenue that's diversified, meaning you're not predictably penciling in revenue because you're creating a pseudo employment arrangement where you're, you have a year plus long contract with the same client who might fire you and then you have no revenue. Even if your January client books, you still have your February client. So it's a more stable situation uh, to do what I'm talking about. Uh, the other thing that I might say is if you're, um, you can have multiple clients in parallel, but if you start to um, do more predictable, repeatable kind of productized servicey work, you can batch that. So here's what I mean. Um, I'm going to just use the world of hit subscribe because it's fresh in my mind and easy to think about, but like with a hit subscribe engagement, um, we have like, there's four stages of content creation. Granted, these are all done by like lots of different people, but just so you understand what I'm talking about, if we're producing blog content, there is a, um, a stage where we're, uh, planning the content. Then there's a stage where we're drafting and creating the content, editing it, and then doing a quality assurance pass on it. Now we have different people doing all of these different things, but if you were just doing that or if like, if I just, I don't know, cut bait and decided I wanted to do all the work myself, um, what I might do is say, okay, um, I have well-defined stuff that I do in each one of these stages. I can do content for clients in parallel. And what I can do is batch together, you know, I'm going to do um, planning work for like three different clients right now. Because even though it's different per client, the planning of the content is similar enough that doing all of the work, even though it's for three different clients, it's still the same kind of work. So that batches well together and then I don't incur that context switching penalty. If I'm doing like say SEO based keyword research for three different clients, it's not really that different to do that activity for different clients. So, um, you know, maybe in the programming world, an analog of this would be like, you know, if you go to the waterfall stage of the world, like requirements gathering and design documents and all that stuff, you know, you're doing requirements gathering for different clients. It works well together. So my point here is um, you can batch the work so that you're doing similar tasks for similar clients at the same time. That does not work well if you're a I do whatever for money type of generalist because you're never going to have a similar type of work. They're all going to be having you run around, do different things. So you need to get kind of a repeatable offering. And I think that's actually a good way to segue into what I want to close out with advising, which is the real way I would say to avoid this type of context switching 
is to build out a productized service or to build out a repeatable offering in a proper business in which you're building equity. So I often say this, it may be controversial in some circles, but I view freelancing as kind of an interim state while you're either deciding that maybe you eventually want to go back to being an employee, uh, if that's where you came from, or you're figuring out how to build a business that you have equity in, where you're maybe delegating tasks, hiring other people, et cetera. If you are freelancing indefinitely, where you're just taking on custom work, you're always going to suffer from this problem. And really on a long timeline, the only way to avoid the context switching is to, um, you know, just have extended single client situations, which is not a very uh, stable business model. Otherwise, um, you're going to have to get away from generalist work in order not to be context switching. You have to get away from simulating employment because if you're simulating employment, you're always going to be context switching because there's going to be no batchable work. There's going to be no short scoped work or repeatable work. It's all going to be, um, you know, uh, improv night. And when you're improving everything that you're doing at every turn, you have no real way to get away from the context switching. So what I've talked about here before, um, reducing the scope or making your work repeatable enough to do in batches, all of that feeds into this idea that you need to build some kind of repeatable offering. Uh, maybe it's a product or service. That's probably the easiest way to do it. But whatever it may be, you need to develop standard operating procedures and the way that you do things. Once you develop standard operating procedures, your work becomes more predictable. So if it's, you know, building websites or delivering blog posts, whatever that, you know, whatever it is you're doing, you'll start to, when you do it repeatedly, you'll know how long it takes. You'll know how to break this work down to its rec into its requisite components and how to batch it together. You'll know how to book out um, uh, clients ahead of time. You'll know how to make all that work fit together in a very uh, efficient way. So I'm speaking in a lot of generalities, but you know, to kind of recap some of these examples, excuse me, examples, um, the batching, and actually the person they were asking the uh, question of, Thorman, is doing a lot of training engagements. So if you do training and that's a three to five day engagement, that's pretty easy to avoid context switching. I do one training per week. There's no context switching, that's what I do. You want to get on my calendar, I'm booked out for the next six weeks, but I've got an opening in March. Um, so that's one great way to do it. Um, when I was talking about the blog posts and batching or the software development and batching again, you start to understand like, oh, okay, well, um, the first week of the month is my content planning week and I can, you know, run through four or five clients uh, through my personal pipeline at any one time. That's my capacity. So first week of the month, I do planning. Second week of the month, I do drafting, whatever the case may be. Uh, another good way to avoid context switching because you're actually making the context the same across your different clients. So um, all of that really adds up to building a very repeatable offering that you get good at, you get polished at. And by the way, doing those things becomes the first step to building out a business in earnest. Because if you're getting that good at those things, if they're that repeatable, if they're that precise, you can start to write down documentation handed to other people and hire them to do uh, the things that you had been doing. So the natural path towards building a business in which you have equity, in which you can hire other people and start to you know build a true customer base is the same path that gets you out of the context switching. Because the context switching, I mean, to an extent, is really going to be the product of you doing multiple part-time jobs. 
don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I suffer from context switching all the time in running a business, but it's a different kind of thing. I don't suffer from context switching because I have, you know, three clients or whatever. So if you look at some of these shorter term tactics, uh, like reducing the scope of work, batching, um, not only will it help you avoid context switching, it'll help you build a more sustainable business. So yeah, that's kind of why I, I thought it was a really, um, a really good question for a new freelancer to ask. And I wanted to answer it because the answer is so um, mixed in with uh, building a sustainable business that I thought it was an important topic to cover. So hopefully that's helpful for uh, anybody who's wondering about this. And uh, I will catch you next time.